uncomfortable for you to talk about money in church. I'm, I apologize. This is, this is going to be fun. I, I honestly, this is one of my favorite things to teach on is, uh, is God and money. Today we're going to specifically talk about uh, money's role. What role does money have? And if we're going to have a, a, a proper and biblical role with money in our lives, we need to understand what's my money and what's not my money, right? My bank account, my money, our money, right? The, the, the cash that's in your pocket, your money. When you give allowance to your children, still your money. <laughs> you, like my paycheck, my money. After the government takes their portion and then it comes, then it comes to me, right? That's, that's my paycheck, that's, that's my money. But where, where lots of people get tripped up is when we start talking about God's money, right? Because God's money is not my money. And so the question now becomes, what's God's money? So if you've, if you've got your Bible, I want you, we're going to go to uh, four, different, uh, four different books of the Bible. You can stick your finger in Genesis. We're going to go there first. Then we'll go to Leviticus, uh, Malachi, and then we'll end up in the book of Matthew. Uh, so Renee started the series last week, and she talked uh, about the, the important role that money plays in our lives. And money plays a very important role in our lives. Um, so much so, like God talks, like Jesus talks more about money than any other single subject. Right? He uses it as illustrations and, and things like that. So it plays a very important role in our, in our lives. And, and our desire in, in bringing this to you and walking you through this is that we would all live biblically true, accurate lives. Like we are all disciples of, of, of Jesus. And if we're going to be disciples of Jesus, then we need to be discipled in every area of our lives, which includes our finances. So for us to do that, we need to start and talk about tithing. So we're going to talk about tithing today. The very first mention of the tithe in the Bible is found in Genesis 14. So if you've got your finger in Genesis, turn to, turn to chapter 14. If you don't have your Bibles, it will be up on the screens. So Genesis 14, the little backstory to, to the, the couple of verses that we're going to read, verses 18 and 20. Um, Abram, who has later, his name is changed to Abraham. So this is Abram, had just defeated uh, several armies that had gathered together and conspired together to attack the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And when they attacked the cities, they raided the cities, they, they took treasures and they took people out of the city as captive. Now, Abram's nephew, Lot, and his family lived in these cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, and they were scooped up in this raid on the cities, and the, they were taken captive, they were kidnapped. And so Abram heard about this, and he went and he, he waged war on these several kings that had conspired together, and he, he, he won, and he, he overthrew them. And then we see, we read this in verses 18 and 20. Melchizedek, king of Salem, which is ancient Jerusalem, brought out bread and wine for them. He was priest of God Most High. And Melchizedek blessed Abram and said, Blessed, joyful, and favored be Abram by God Most High, creator and possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed, praised, and glorified be God Most High, who has given your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of all the treasure he had taken in the battle. So Melchizedek is this mysterious kind of figure in the Bible. He's only mentioned a few times. He's mentioned here and he's mentioned in the, in the book of Hebrews. Um, and he is a priest of God, Most High. What's really interesting is this is hundreds of years before Moses implements priests from the, from the, the, the tribe of, of, of Levites. 
right? And so this is long before that. And here's this guy, Melchizedek, who lives in ancient Jerusalem, and he is priest most high. He's priest of God most high. So Melchizedek is a biblical symbol, is a type, and he points to Jesus. So you, you can, if you want to read a little bit more about him, you can find him, like I said, in the book of Hebrews. But Abram takes a tenth of all the spoils of the battle, and he gives it to Melchizedek, who is priest of God. So where we see in this passage, we see that word tenth. This is the exact same Hebrew word that's later translated as tithe. So when you see tenth, in the Old Testament, it's the same word as tithe. When you see tithe, it also means tenth, because tithe literally means tenth, okay? And so Abram takes his tithe, he takes the, the tithe of the battle, the tenth of everything he gave, that he got, and he places it into the priest of God, into Melchizedek's hands. Now later, if you flip, uh, flip a couple chapters, 14 chapters, and go to Genesis chapter 28, we see in, in Genesis 28, we see Abram's great-grandson Jacob also pledges a tithe to the Lord. So in, in this, in this, the backstory here is Jacob is, is running for his life because he has uh, stolen the, the inheritance and the blessing of, of his father Isaac. He stole it from his brother because um, Jacob is the secondborn and those things belong to the firstborn, right? But he, he, he steals them, he swindles them, and now his brother's upset and he's running for his life. And so he's asleep in a field and he has this wild dream of a ladder that reaches from heaven down to earth. And on this ladder, there are angels going up and down there, coming from heaven to earth and going from earth to heaven. He wakes up from this dream where God spoke to him in the dream and says that he's going to give to Jacob and his descendants the land that he's sleeping on. And that he promises to be with Jacob and all of his descendants. So when he wakes up, he says this, If God will be with me and will keep me on this journey that I take, I will give, and will give me food to eat and clothing to wear. If he grants that I return to my father's house in safety, then the Lord will be my God. This stone which I have set up as a pillar or a monument or a memorial will be God's house, a sacred place to me. And of everything you give me, I will give the tenth, the tithe, to you as an offering to signify my gratitude and my dependence on you. So Jacob clearly learned this concept, this principle of the tithe, of giving the, the tenth from his, his great-grandfather Abram. And he's now following that same example by pledging the, the tithe, that tenth, to God, the same way that Abram had given it to Melchizedek, priest of God. Now listen, I know that there are those who at this point will, will, are starting to think, if you've been around church for a little bit, um, and you're starting to think, well, listen, tithing, I, I get that. We see it in the Old Testament, but this is the, this is the law of God. And Jesus fulfilled the law. So we're no longer required to tithe because we're no longer under the law. But in the New Testament, we are now under grace, right? We're not under the law because Jesus fulfilled it, but we are under grace. So I want to, I just kind of want to, I want to touch on that for a moment. 100% true. Jesus fulfilled the law. We are no longer under the requirements of the law. We are under grace. Thank you, Jesus. But what we just read is not from the law. What we just read is actually predates the law by about 400 years. So Abram established the principle of the tithe long before the law that was given by Moses required it. 
Now, now when we when we look at the Old Testament law, this is it, it, this works in the tithing, but this is it, it applies to other things. There are things from the Old Testament law that when when Jesus came, they they stopped at the cross of Jesus, right? For example, food restrictions. Right In the Old Testament law, they were not allowed to eat bacon. They were not allowed to eat ham. They could not eat lobster and shrimp. They were obviously sad people because these are very delicious things. And praise be to God that we no longer have food restrictions and we can enjoy the bacon and the ham and the lobster and the shrimp from the sea. Amen? Amen. So those food restrictions, they, they ended at the cross. Now there are some things that were, that, that, um, that went, went, um, when we're transformed at the cross. For example, Sabbath. In the Old Testament, Sabbath was a literal 24-hour specific day. It wasn't any day that they chose, but it was Friday night till Saturday night. That was Sabbath. At the cross of Christ, Sabbath was transformed. And now we no longer observe a literal specific 24-hour period as Sabbath, but we live a Sabbath lifestyle. We are at rest in the Lord. Jesus said, all you who are weary and burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. So we live this Sabbath lifestyle. And now there, there are also things that went through the cross of Christ that carried through from the Old Testament to the New Testament. One of those things is um, the worship that David set up in, in David's tent. The way that, that we worship the Lord, this carries through from David. David did this as pointing to the other side of the cross. He saw something and he implemented it before Jesus. Tithing is another thing that traveled through and went through the cross of Christ and it carries, it carries over. Now, when we talk about no longer living under the law, but living under grace, it's important that we understand actually what that means. So in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus on the, the Sermon of the Mount, he, he's talking about these things from the, from, from the law, right? You know, you should not murder, you should not commit adultery. So he goes, he says this, you have heard it said, you should not commit adultery, right? That's in the Old Testament law. And then he goes, but I say to you, Whoever looks at a woman with lust in their heart has already, with lust, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. The law. Do not commit adultery. Jesus came along and said, we're going to fulfill that, and now you live under grace. Grace. If you even look at someone with lust, you've committed adultery with them. See, grace didn't just push the law away and say, now we can do whatever we want. Grace actually elevated it and said there's a higher level. We're no longer fulfilling the letter of the law, but there's the, there's the spirit, there's the heart of it, okay? So if we're going to say, well, I live under grace, great, because uh, the law says, here's, here's the tithe. Now, grace, grace goes like this, Right? Grace is generosity. It's the over, it's the over and above, okay? Um, now, if you've got your finger in Leviticus, we have five fingers, we have five different passages. Let's, uh, let's go to Leviticus chapter 27 and verse 30. This is the first mention of the tithe in the law that God gave to Moses and passed along to the children of, of Israel. And it says in verse 30, And all the tithe, which is the tenth part of the land, whether seed of the land, fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Now, it's important to point out that the law didn't require people to tithe. It identified who the tithe belonged to. The tithe is the Lord's. It is holy, which means it is set apart and it is sacred 
to God. The tithe is the Lord's portion of our income, and God views that portion of our income as untouchable. It's holy, and it belongs to Him and Him alone. See, we, we, it, it's important as we talk about finances and money, God and money, that we keep in mind God is the one that brings provision into our lives. He is the source. See, the book of James tells us that every good and perfect gift comes to us from the Father. Every good and perfect gift. Every single one of them comes to us from God. See, the Bible shows and tells us, teaches us that, he, that God is the source. God is the creator. God is the provider. It all belongs to Him. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, I'm pretty sure that it was me that punched the clock Monday morning at 9 a.m., and I punched out at 5 a.m. I was the one on the job site. I was the one in the office. It's my name on the paycheck. Yes, yes, yes. I would agree to all of that. But the, the ability that we have, the life that I live, the breath in my lungs, the fact that I woke up this morning is because God allowed me to wake up, Amen. right? It's His breath in my lungs. It's His ability that I have in me to, to accomplish the work that I do, the, the work that you do. It's because God has given you that ability. God has given you that skill and God allowed you to wake up this morning. Apart from Him, I can do nothing. We don't even exist apart from the Lord. Gordon MacDonald, who's a pastor and, and, a, and, a, and an author, said uh, one of the greatest missing teachings in the American church today is the reminder to men and women that nothing we have belongs to us. We're stewards, right? So how good is God that what He asks of me he first gives to me, right? He says, the tithe, that is mine. That is holy to me. And so what he does is he, he pr puts provision into my life and he says, this 10th part, this is mine, but I'm going to give it to you before I ask you to give, it, to, like, to give it back to me. So what he requires of me, he first gives me. And he just trusts that we're going to give it back. That's how good God is. He didn't have to do that. He could have said, figure it out on your own, and this is what I require you to give me, but he, he gives it to us first. And then, of all that he gives us, he allows us to keep the majority of it. Right? This is the mind shift that we have to make when we look at our finances and how God provides for us. He allows me to keep 90% of what is his in the first place. Everything is getting more expensive. Right? Gas is back up. We're almost right, six, almost $6 a gallon, something like that. Right? Everything over the last few years has gotten more and more expensive. Inflation over, this, over the last 18 months to two years or so has just been like sky high. It's, it's, been, it's been so much. Everything is getting more and more expensive. How many of people are, 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 are thankful that the Lord didn't uh, add inflation to the tithe? <laughs> right? Come on. It's still at 10%. It's still at 10%. He said it's the 10th part. He's not looking around going, well, inflation was like 9% this year. So I think we're going to add a little bit more. Tithe is now 13%. He's so good to us. I know that was really bad joke. Turn to, Ma turn to the book of Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3 is one of the main passages with insight into the, into the tithe, and it starts in verse, verse 8. And um, 
Malachi, the, the prophet, writes and he says, Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, in what way? How have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings that you have withheld. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, this whole nation. Bring all the tithes, the tenth, into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house. And God says, now test me in this. Footnote. This is the only place in the entire Bible that we are given permission. And it's more than just permission. It's encouraged. God says, come on, I dare you. Test me in this area, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you so great a blessing until there is no more room to receive it, then I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, and he will not destroy the fruit of the ground, nor will your vine in the field drop its grapes before harvest, says the Lord of hosts. All the nations shall call you happy and blessed, for you shall be a land of delight. When we do not return the tithe to God, he sees that as theft. The Hebrew word rob here can also mean to defraud. It's keeping what's been given as if it was mine all along, right? Like, for example, if, if I borrow your car and the agreement is at four o'clock this afternoon, I'm going to return the car back to you. It's yours. You're, you're borrowing it from me. But I never return the car. I just keep it as if it's mine. Right? You can rightfully contact the police and say, my car has been stolen because I deceived you saying I'm going to return it at this time and then I never returned it. I just kept it as if it was mine in the first place. See, I used deception to keep what was not mine. Which may, brings me to a really important thing to point out. We don't give tithes. We return tithes. Now, listen, it, it might seem like this is, oh, that's semantics, but language is important. Language is very important. Like, let's go back to the borrowed car. So I say, I, I borrow your car. It's four o'clock in the afternoon. I'm returning it, just, I'm bringing it back, just like I said. I take the keys out of my pocket and go, guess what? I'm giving you a car today. I'm not giving you a car. I'm giving, it's, you're, you'd be like, but it's my car. You're not giving me anything. You're just returning it. Language, language is important, right? So we don't give our tithes, we return them. He, give it to, he gave it to us first, and now we're just returning it back to Him. So I, I, I want to talk about, because there's some, there's some harsh, harsh language in, in Malachi chapter 3, this whole, you are cursed with a curse thing, because this feels a little uncomfortable, right? Because we, we know God is good, and God is kind Every good and perfect gift comes down to us from the Father of lights, in whom there is no shifting, there's no turning, there's no shadow. That's the book of James. So how do we deal with this being cursed with a cursed? I believe that when we read the, the scripture, we read the Bible, that it, it does not um, support that God places curses upon people. Right? God doesn't do evil things to people. God does not tempt us. The Bible is very clear in this because he is a good God. But the better way to understand this is that when we withhold the tithe and we rob, we steal from God, that we, we step outside of the umbrella of God's blessing. We step outside of the umbrella of God's dominion, His rule, His authority over our lives. And when we're not under God's dominion, God's rule, there's only, there's only two options here. We're, we're under the enemy's rule. We're either in the, in the kingdom of light or we're under the kingdom of, of darkness. So in Hebrew, that word, you are cursed, actually means to lay under a curse. It doesn't mean that the curse was put on top of you. What it means is that you laid down on underneath it. 
and you laid under the curse. And this is, this is, this is where you are. Because you chose to place yourself in this position. It wasn't, it wasn't forced upon you. You laid down underneath that curse. So the result of this curse that, that, that the prophet talks about here, you are cursed with a curse, they're actually found in verse 11, where the prophet says, if you return the tithe, I'll throw open the windows of it. And I, it says in verse 11 that, um, that the Lord will rebuke the devourer. See, when we lay under the curse in our finances, when we, when we withhold the, the tithe and we don't return it, we steal from the Lord, we, uh, we release the devourer has access to our lives. The devourer who comes and eats away at our finances. It's almost like you've got holes in your pocket and you put cash in your pocket and then it just falls out. Like, if you, you don't have to raise your hand, but have you ever come to the end of the month and been like, where, where did the money go? Like, I, this doesn't make sense. I, I know I made more than this, but I, like, I don't, there's now more month than there is money. And it just seems like there's never enough. It doesn't go far enough, right? This is the devourer at work in your life, so slowly eating away at the, at the hard work that you put in. It's like, you know, you look at your paycheck and you're like, this doesn't equal the sweat that I put into this paycheck. I worked harder than the numbers on this check. That's the devourer at work in your life. So the blessing that comes from returning the tithe is not only the rebuke of the devourer, but I mean, come on, how many people would say that would just be enough? If the devourer stopped eating my finances, that would be enough. Like that would be blessing enough. But not only that, he says, I'm going to throw open the floodgates of heaven. See, we also live underneath an open heaven, these windows of heaven, and he's going to pour out a blessing on us that we cannot contain. That that term, this is, this is really fascinating. That term, windows of heaven, is also used in the story of Noah, right? So they're, they're, all, in the, they're all in the boat. God says, that, hey, the, the, the flood is coming. And then if you read the story, it says the floodgates of heaven opened and the entire planet was flooded. That's the picture that God is, is connecting to in the book of Malachi. The prophet says, see if I will not throw open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you cannot contain. He's connecting it back to Noah when the floodgates of the deep were opened and the world could not contain the water and the entire planet was flooded. This is the picture of what God wants to do in your life when we return the tithe to him. If we get money in its proper role by understanding that this is God's, that's not mine, and this, this, this is mine. So when we, when we put money in its proper role by putting the tithe in God's hand first, then we experience the blessing of God upon our lives. But if we withhold that tithe, keeping what doesn't belong to us, then we will always be at a financial disadvantage because we've placed ourselves under, under a curse. Now, I don't know about you, but I would rather live on a blessed 90% of my income than a cursed 100% of my income. Right? So now I've experienced God's blessing on my life in, in times where financially we should not have made it. Like, we, we did not make enough money to live, to survive. But somehow, there was this supernatural stretching that I can't even point to and be like, oh, right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, was the, that, was the, that was the blessing. That was the increased income. Just sometimes this money just seemed to go farther than it really should have. There's no explanation for it. And then there's been, there's been times when there's been unexpected, unplanned income. Just, you know, whether it be a check in the mail or, 
you know, whatever it is. They're like, I didn't know that was coming. And God sustains and, and got, got us through that, that season where there honestly wasn't enough. And he's like, hey, 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 no, there's enough here. Right? I could, t- I mean, honestly, I, I could tell stories for hours about the provision and how God has provided. Now, I want to say this, kind of tag, tag note a little bit. It's a very narrow view of God to think that his blessing is exclusive to finances. The open heaven is greater than money. I mean, like we look at money as like this is the this is a big thing in our lives, and yeah, 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 yeah. But the blessing of God goes far beyond finances because He blesses your relationships, He blesses you spiritually, emotionally, right? Like it's 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 favor, it's wisdom, it's health. This is living underneath the open heaven of God's blessing. Yes, it includes finance. It's also wrong to to like be like uncomfortable because God is blessing you financially because you've been a good steward you've returned the tithe. So to be like, no, 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 the blessing of God and shy away from the financial end is just as wrong to focus only on the financial end. Like it includes it, but it's not exclusive to it. And I know, so now we're going to jump to Matthew because I know so far we've only looked at the Old Testament. So let's take a look at what Jesus has to say about tithing. (laughs) And if if you've been around a little bit, you're going to be like, well, Jesus didn't talk about tithing. Let's go to Matthew chapter 22 and and let's see what Jesus has to say. This is Matthew chapter 22, verses 17 to 21. And this is the religious people asking him this question. Tell us then, what do you think? Is it permissible, according to Jewish law and tradition, to pay a poll tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus, being aware of their malice, asked, Why are you testing me, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the poll tax. And they brought him a denarius, which was a day's wage. And Jesus said to him, he holds it up in his fingers, and he says, whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said, well, it's Caesar's. He said to them, then pay to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and God the things that are God's. Give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and give to God the things that are God's. So it's plain to see, <laughs> unfortunately, he's telling, he's telling us, Pay your taxes. This is the right thing to do. Pay your taxes. But then we need to think through what, like, what he's actually talking about and what he's actually saying here, or we miss half of, of the teaching because that's the obvious half to pay the taxes. And there's two things that we have to remember here. We have to remember, number one, audience, and we have to remember, number two, context. So the audience is Jewish people, specifically the religious leaders who are very well versed. They are experts in the law, the Old Testament law. And the context is this is a financial question. So with that in mind, what's the answer to what are the things that are God's? It's the tithe. This is what his audience would understand he's talking about. Give to God the things that are God's. Jesus is saying, pay your taxes and get God's money out of your pocket. The tithe belongs to him. Everything else we are free to do with as we please. Jesus is affirming the tithe, but it's easy to miss because he doesn't say, pay your taxes, pay your tithe. Like that, that's not how it comes. So we have to take a minute and understand what he's trying to say. Now go over one, one more chapter and go to Matthew 23. Because in Matthew chapter 23, he really goes after the religious leaders and he exposes their hypocrisy. And, and in, this, in this section, there's eight woes that he declares over the religious people. And in verse 23, he says, Woe to you, self-righteous scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! 
For you give a tenth or a tithe of your mint, dill, and cumin, focusing on, the, on minor things, and have neglected the weightier, far more important moral and spiritual provisions of the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness. But these, justice, mercy, faithfulness, are the primary things you ought to have done without neglecting the others. See, the, the scribes and the Pharisees would follow, like, not just the law of God, but then they added all of their traditions on top. So they follow everything down to the letter. Like you're talking, their herb garden, cumin, mint, dill. We're talking such a tiny, small amount, but they would weigh it out. They would measure it out. They'd make sure we're, we're, we're returning the tithe of this. But then they, were, they, they had no idea of, of justice, of mercy, of faithfulness. They would just put burdens and weights upon the people requiring to do all these things. And Jesus is saying, you guys are hypocrites. You're ignoring the weight, the, like the more important things of justice and, and, and mercy and faithfulness to God. You should do that. But don't neglect to do the other things. The other things that he's talking about is, them, is, is the tithe. He's, he's saying, like, don't, don't neglect the, the weight, the, the important things, mercy, justice, faithfulness. But also don't neglect to pay your tithe. To return that to God. See, Jesus clearly taught and affirmed returning the tithe to the Lord. But there's one last thing that I want to touch on before, before we wrap it up today. And this might be the one that is probably the most unclear for people when we talk about the tithe. The scripture that we talked about in Malachi chapter 3 says to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse was an area of the temple that housed the tithe. Now we have to, we have to remember that what we're reading, what we're, we're peering into in the Bible is an agrarian society. It's, it's agricultural. So like most of their income is, you know, it's sheep, it's ox, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's crops, it's, it's that, that type of stuff. The storehouse was functional. Like it held the tithe, right? They needed it because when you, well, when you tithe an ox, it's, that's a big animal right? Like, it's not like you're tithing like gold coins. This is something that's pretty big. And so it was, it was functional. So when, um, the, I, so the question becomes then, is the church of today, the New Testament church, the equivalent of the storehouse mentioned in Malachi? And I believe that it is. And this, this is why. The tithe was returned to the Lord, when we read through the law, the Lord in turn gave the tithe to the Levitical priests as a wage for their priestly duties. See, the, the Levites were the only tribe out of the 12 tribes that were not given uh, a portion and inheritance in the land. The Lord was their portion. So they had no way to, to generate like income. So the Lord said, the tithe, that belongs, that belongs to you. So he said, you return, my, return the tithe to me, and I, now I'm giving it to, to the Levites so that they could actually survive and dedicate themselves to, to the ministry as, as priests in his temple. Now, if, we, if we look at the New Testament, and if you're taking notes, I don't have time to read these scriptures line, line upon line, so just jot them down. But Paul writes and talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he's talking about being financially supported by the Corinthians church, by the, by the church in Corinth, and how this is his right as an apostle to be financially supported by, by them. And then in, in Philippians chapter 4, he commends the Philippian church for supporting him financially on his ministry journeys as he's going about as a missionary starting churches. Then in, in, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, he writes to Timothy, who's, who's his spiritual son, and he speaks to the financial support of elders, and that word elders is the same word, as, it's also translated as pastor, who leads the church. And then he, in speaking to Timothy, he uses this Old Testament um, 
portion of the law and applies it to New Testament churches. He says this, do not muzzle the ox while it treads the grain. See, in the law, God said, hey, when, you're, when your oxen are working and they're treading the grain out, don't muzzle them so that they can't eat. They should be able to eat of the fruit of their labor. They're working hard. Allow them to eat some of that, for that's, that's right. And Paul says the same thing about the elders and the pastors who are teachers of the word and, and leading the church. He says, do not muzzle the ox. See, I believe that the Bible supports that the tithe being brought into the local church, that's, that's what we are to do. Now, we don't, we don't hold you accountable to this. You, you know, we don't check financial statements. We don't, you know, hey, when you come in, show me your paycheck, and we give you a little note, okay, this is how much your tithe is this week. You know, it's like, look around, look to the left, look to the right. Nobody knows who tithes, nobody knows who doesn't, right? We don't have special tithing sections for seats for the tithers, right? Like you just come in, you sit wherever you want. We treat everybody the same, right? I know some of this is like, well, that would be really ridiculous if you did. Yes, it would. But I'm pointing out the obvious things. We just treat people the same, right? So whether you tithe or not, we're not holding you accountable to that. Jesus is, right? I'm, I'm accountable to God for what I do with my finances. One, because they're, it's all His in the first place, right? And so I'm, I'm accountable to Him of my stewarding of that, I must answer to him for how I steward. Do I return the tithe? Am I, am I obedient in what he says to me? Am I being generous? Yes. See, tithing comes down to obedience and trust. Yes. Will I be obedient to the scriptures and return the tithe back to the Lord? Will I put money in its proper role? This is mine. This is not mine. Do I trust God to provide for me and do more with 90% of my income than I could do with 100%? See, the Lord trusts us with the tithe that we will return it back to Him. The question is, am I trustworthy? So I've got in my pocket, I have, I have $10, $20 bills. Hmm. <laughs> if this represents my, my income, I have 10 $20 bills. How much is the tithe? It's $20, right? That's the tenth, okay? Which, which one? Which one is the tithe? It's the first one. It's the very first 20. How much do I have left? I have all of it because this wasn't mine in the first place. That was God's. I still have all of it right? This is, this is how, this is a, just a, a simple illustration of what it looks like to tithe, right? That's not mine in the first place. And now, I, listen, there's lots of like nuances and things we can talk about the tithe. We didn't really talk about the first. Ruth, R Ruth has been around a little bit. She's heard us talk about this before, right? So like that's, that's something that we could talk about, how the tithe should be the first. But I just wanted to walk through and just really like, a, like teach through Old Testament to New Testament, this is what the Bible says about the tithe, right? And so when we, you know, that's, that's not ours. And so when I give the tithe, I still have it all left because that wasn't mine in the first place. As I mentioned, like, I have so many stories that I could share of just personal provision. And I know I've, like, we've, I've walked with many of you and I know that many of you got the same stories of like, 
man, but God, like it was, I was in a financial, just a bind, but I, I remained faithful to returning the tithe and then boom, he broke open and, you know, like he provided for me. I began very early as a, as a, as a believer. Some, there's a few things that I feel like God just kind of put inside of me right from the start. One of them was tithing and I don't like, no one really taught me about it. I just, it's, it's so hard to explain, but it's like, I just, you got to know her inside. I knew in my knower that I needed to do this. And so I did that. And I, I walked it out with pastors in, in areas of like, I got student loans so I could go to college. And then I, so this is where I was wrestling this out. Like, well, that's money coming in. I would wrestle it out with my pastor. Like, I, I need to tithe on this, right? And he's like, well, <laughs> so these are some of the questions that I was asking. But somehow inside in, in my knower, I just knew I was supposed to do this. Um, but I believe that everything that I have in my life has come into my life because I'm living under an open heaven because I've always made this practice of returning the tithe and have not withheld that. And, and, and there's just unexplainable favor and, and blessing and relational things that, that we just have had the opportunity to, to walk in. And I believe it connects back in my life because I've just made this habit, this practice of returning the tithe. It, to the point where you know, you get a new job, the first paycheck comes in, in my mind, it's, I'm, I'm already like, like, I look at it as 10% less than what it actually is. That's just how I see it. Because it's been like 25 years of just, this is what I, this is what I do. So I would never ask you or teach you, or bring something to you that I've, that I've never personally walked out. I've walked this out for many, many years. And so, um, without, and, you need to understand, like, there's no condemnation, there's no guilt, there's no shame for where you are in your financial journey. The Lord knows. And what my encouragement is, is to grow as a disciple of Jesus. Become like Jesus. Mold your life to the teachings and the way of Jesus. From the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible. He talks about it all. And so when you come across these things, you're like, man, I'm not doing that. That's going to be really hard. Uh, God doesn't usually ask us to do the easy things. Like the things he asks us to do, they are hard things. But it's like for our, for our benefit, right? So that we can grow. This is a, back to the allowances. We give our allowance to our kids. It's so that they can begin to learn financial management. How do, what do they do with that? How do they handle that? This is, this is discipleship. We're walking through these things together. But again, I go back to, we don't check these things. God holds you accountable. But if you want to have a conversation about the tithe and help you wrestle this out, would love to answer your questions. I almost, I mean, it's like two minutes to 12. Um, and so I honest, almost thought like, man, maybe we should just do question and answer today and see what kind of questions you have about tithing and things like that. But I thought that would be a lot of fun. It might be a little bit awkward because again, people find it awkward to talk about money in church. Um, but that's okay. But I hope I've answered some questions if you, this is something that you've wondered about. And if you have something that maybe I haven't answered, please feel free to come and, and we can sit, we can talk, we can answer your questions. If I don't know the answer, we'll find someone who does. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out together, okay? Um, let's, let's stand. I want to I end this way. Father, I pray over my church, these incredible people that you have so graciously 
brought into our care as our church family. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would take us as a, as a group, as a family, and we would grow in our discipleship. But not just as a group, as individuals. That you would lead us into all truth and you would lead us into all freedom. I pray, God, that you take the, 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 really the, the scripture today, the word, your word, not mine. May my words fall away, but the truth of the word of God remain uh, planted deep in our hearts and in our spirits today. And that we would bend our lives around the word of God. And we would allow it to change us, to transform us, and to disciple us so that we would become more like you. And Father, for every person um, here today that is experiencing lack, they're struggling, they don't have enough, or they're under the weight of, of debt and financial burdens, whether they have made it a practice to return the tithe or not, your word also says you make it rain upon the righteous and the unrighteous. So I ask for the goodness and the kindness of God to rain down upon us today and that you would provide, that you would make up the difference when there is lack and that we would step into this realm of, of not just having just enough, but having more than enough so that we, God, I pray this often, that we would be the most generous church that ever was. We would just be so generous not hoarding and storing up, but just continually giving away, giving away, giving away. In Jesus' name.